0: You are listening to the Lead Big Red podcast from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Educational Administration Department with your hosts, Dr. Shivana Holman and Dr. Scott Sturgeon. Welcome to the Lead Big Red podcast. I am Scott Sturgeon, professor of practice at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Alongside me is...
1: Shivana Holman, also a professor of practice in the Educational Administration Department. And today's guest, we have Mr. Makai Ali, who is the president of Compton Unified School District. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Ali. We appreciate you taking the time to share with us um, all the ins and outs about your leadership and um, anything else that you would be uh, willing to share with us today.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. I'm very pleased and grateful to be in the midst of, of two of urban America's foremost leaders within education and educational transformation. And so again, it's a privilege and it's an honor to represent not only my community, but also to represent my school district.
1: Fantastic. All right, well, we're gonna go ahead and hop on in if that's okay with you.
2: Yes.
1: So I'm gonna begin. So my first question is um, your leadership role in education is very different from that of a school leader, i.e. a principal, district administrator or superintendent, but it's just as important. Can you tell us what you do in your role to impact education, students, and schools across the country?
2: So it's very imperative that school boards and, and, and uh, school leaders at the elected or policy level, if you will, understand the power and the magnitude of governance, and how it's a transformational tool versus simply an administrative function. And so in my Role as board member, we do serve as the governing authority over our local LEA, which is the local education agency here in Compton, California. But very specific to the point is a vision, a vision that emanates from the board, and then that vision is carried out through administrative policies as well as administrative regulations and other forms of resolution and motion which direct staff accordingly from the board level. As both of you're aware and all your listeners and viewers keenly know this, we live in the United States of America and one of the benefits of that is to live within areas where there's representative democracy. You have an opportunity to select or elect someone with an advocate and champion what's needed within your respective community if people are pursuing public office and really don't have an agenda that centers around transformation and the power and magnitude they're in that's a significant issue and a significant problem i must say but in my own district what we've done is we've been able to collectively share goals visions accountability measures processes for introducing district-wide initiatives. And then those initiatives have gone on uh, to uh, bring about improvement within the educational system. And that's evident by our test scores, as evident by the programs that we offer, the investments within technology and career pathways, and early middle colleges, which are true instruments of equity truly brings about diversity within the workforces or within the workforce in our country. So again, members of boards have to understand the power and the magnitude of governance and how that is used as a tool for community transformation.
0: Great,
1: thank you very much.
0: Um, in thinking about um, the schools you're directly serving in Compton, what kinds of information or messages from the community let you know that your schools are doing a good job, that they're doing the good work that you um, are trying to lay out for them in your vision.
2: That's a very good question. And as a matter of fact, someone would think that it's a loaded question, but I could tell you, I never spoke with this gentleman prior to him asking that question. So (laughs) let me simply roll call. Let me roll call what we've done. And what I'm proud to announce is that we launched an early middle college in 2014, 15, the board, passed a resolution directing the superintendent and staff to come back with a comprehensive plan to open a high school within months. And we did exactly that. And I must say, this school boasts 100% graduation rate. This school recently ranked as one of California's top high schools, marked number 50 overall. And this is a relatively brand new high school less than seven years of age. And with this school now to rank at 53 overall, that's impressive. And it truly underscores the board's commitment to not just educational, academic excellence, but listening to industry, looking at the trends, accepting what the academicians like you two folk put out as far as research and allowing that to be the compass or the lighthouse, if you will, in order to direct the way in which the district ought to appropriate and allocate resources. And so we see this, this is this is apparent because we see graduation rates hovering above 90% in our comprehensive high schools. We see college and career pathways, the effectuation of concurrent and dual enrollment, all of which ensures that our children are academically ready and and career ready with a college focus. And so President Barack Obama as well as other leaders during their tenure talked about folk being able to leave high school and go right to the workforce. There are many jobs in America that may not require require or do not require a collegiate degree So why not lean in on infrastructure investments within America's communities, whether that be schools or airports, roadways, bridges, dams. Many of those jobs require math as a requisite, the ability to read, which is why literacy is so critical and so important. So again, again, we have receipts, to back up exactly what we're doing and the transformation that the board is leading in this district, and I can tell you this, we're very proud of that, and the results, the results resonate with this Compton district that was once in control of, of the state had receivership. It was in state control, if you will. To come out of that and to stand on what I believe is the precipice of greatness, that clearly suggests that one, the community has elected good and high quality folk who understand the need to govern and govern effectively, and govern in a very fiscally prudent manner, matter. but also to be able to champion initiatives that will bring about well-being for the children as well as enhance the, the, their lives, and so again, that's what it's about. And that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. And we hope others would replicate that. The school board is not a perfunctory agent of the superintendent or that of any other governmental entity. The school board has to be directly accountable to the, folk, the local folk and be the champion and hold the bureaucrats accountable if in fact they stand in the, in the, in, in, in the, the doorway They pretty much stand at the threshold, guarding the order. That cannot be the day. And when you look around urban America and you see sobering numbers, black students, brown students, underachieving. Many of us say, wow, that's so sad. But other other of us say, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity for a board to lean in and get down with it. And so I believe that that's what has to happen. And I believe that's what we're doing. I'm very grateful. Uh, to be in this position and lead that effort.
0: Awesome.
1: So Mr. Ali, you mentioned earlier about policy. Um, some of our viewers of this podcast may not understand why this is so important. Share with us um, why policy is important, particularly in education.
2: So oftentimes you hear people say, oh, the school board is nothing more than the policymakers." Well, not exactly. School board members serve as local legislators, responsible and charged with managing a local education agency. School boards and school districts boast a plethora of policies. However, someone has to be there to serve as the appropriator of resources And that's exactly what the school board serves as not just someone who drafts policies to sit on shelves, but people who are actively involved and engaged within the governance process, which is a muscle that must be exercised. And that means that the board is Passing resolutions, motions, directing staff accordingly, holding folks accountable. All of that is a part of a policy governance framework. And so people oftentimes look at policy as a rule or decree or a guideline as to how you handle certain aspects or the implementation of laws. But when school boards provide directives to staff, the staff will draft administrative regulations to implement the edicts and the wishes of the board. The problem what we have Dr. Holman is many board members and many community folks really fail to have an appreciation of the power and the magnitude of school boards and school districts and In many instances If a school board wants to build new schools, what do they do? They go out to the community to seek a general obligation bond, a parcel tax, a millage. Well, that requires the community to be actively involved and engaged in the process. And for the board members to themselves serve in a governing role that allows trust to emanate, which means you have to become an expert. And have a greater understanding of how a local education agency runs remember the school system is not just about books and pencils and many instances you're the largest landlord in your community you're the largest employer in your community you're providing student nutrition services to families summer feeding programs you're providing transportation to students you're providing Hot spots. what we've seen the past year, the role of the school board, the role of the school district has been far more reaching the only governmental entity that rests within a community. Homes are wrapped around schools because the schools become the lighthouse for positive change. It becomes the catalyst for which all sit. People move to neighborhoods because of schools and school districts and because how effective school boards manage the public's trust, meaning the public dollar so policy is important policy is important but also how you govern how you lead and how you manage and the members of the board aren't doing that then i would ask the community to take an introspective look but also consider finding other folks within your community who really are desirous of driving change fearlessly,
0: I might add.
1: Thank you for that comprehensive answer.
0: All right, Mr. Ali, I'm not asking you about your current situation and your current superintendents. I, I don't want I don't want you to feel like you're you're on the spot in with regards to this question because i am going to ask you about superintendents in general, because I know you serve uh, beyond uh, Compton. I know you serve on on national boards as well. So if if we can just for us just for the sake of the answer or the or the, or the question separate the community side of the role of a superintendent because I know that's a big piece of it, um, but if we can separate that just just for a second, when you think about what a school district should be looking for in terms of a superintendent from that instructional side that that part of their lives that needs to be focused on the academics and the academic outcomes um, for students. What are you looking for when you are listening to a superintendent you met for the very first time um, at a conference when you um, might have done or assisted with searches in, in, in the past? When it comes to that academic side of a superintendency, what are you looking for?
2: Dr. Sturgeon, let me, let me first say this. I do want to make it a little personal. I want to okay. talk about the superintendent in Compton. Great. What we were looking for some eight to nine years ago, and he's been here a quite a long time. And this guy is doing a phenomenal job. Number one, he's unflappable.
0: <laughs> it's very important. Very
2: unflappable. And, and, and let me just talk a little colloquial here. He understands that the school board is a governing authority elected by the people in the community, and he subordinates. That's a problem for many superintendents, subordination. Mm -hmm. And what happens is boards change. And when the boards change, well then guess what happens to the superintendent? You're a contracted employee, you're a selected, not elected, big difference. And so we also were looking for a superintendent who understood finance. If you do not understand budget, school finance in particular, then how can you pay for the academic program? We're looking for somebody who understood at the time the difference between leadership, management, and supervisorialism. A lot of folks want to supervise. A lot of folks wanna to, wanna to manage, but but Thomas Paine said it best: you lead get out of the way. And so in many instances what you have is somebody who manages at the granular level. This top level of management that superintendents are utilizing around the country serves absolutely no purpose. The superintendent has to be someone not afraid of engaging community, not afraid of walking into a classroom and being able to replicate elements of the the instructional guide that may be before a teacher, understanding what a pacing guide is, curriculum, supplements, understanding when a vendor's coming in to pitch a proposal to build a higher school, looking at encroachment, the core relationship between special education and transportation costs, You hire an architect, superintendent now becomes the leader of the school bond. The superintendent wears many hats, many hats. And oftentimes, because school boards aren't set up to be that of a board of supervisors or a county commission, if you will, where department heads all report to the board, the superintendent has to understand, at minimum, at minimum, the top and the middle to be able to make certain that the bottom, the bottom's not playing any games with the finance and or sliding contracts to their plans and any of the other nefarious things that transpire within school systems in America. And so what I tell school boards when looking for a superintendent, it's not a beauty pageant. I mean, you want somebody who's been tried and tested. You want somebody who's Walk through the fire and then now still. Now, I'm not talking about a panacea here. What I'm saying is the superintendent's attitude would determine the altitude of the system, how the superintendent can get along. You come into California where there's a strong union presence. Our teachers' union have a tremendous amount of weight, the classified unions, tremendous amount of weight. This is a collaborative exercise. This is not a dictatorial relationship. This is not totalitarianism. This is a collaborative environment where all ought to be respected. And and, and in these school systems where you have that, many times you have folks who've been in the system 30 years, they will wait the superintendent out because they've witnessed many come and go. And so, don't be razzled and dazzled by the degrees or whether they published. I, we're not hiring Dr. Holman or Dr. Sturgeon. We're hiring somebody in the school system. We're not hiring Walter Cronkite. We're not hiring a U.S. senator, right? Katie Kerr. We're not hiring a personality. We're not hiring an entertainer. You are somebody who understands the power that a school district has with shifting the trajectory of a community. And many times there's superintendents who do amass star power. But I would ask you, kick the tires, look under the hood Look at those subgroups and see how well they're performing. And then ask the questions, all of the fancy presentations, reports that have been proffered by district, our superintendent prior to seeking employment. let's Let's look at what has really transpired. And so again, again, I'm pro-school board, I'm pro, Strong, strong school board and pro-school board governance because I'm pro-community. And anytime we can send a representative to D.C., we could change them out every two years if we so desire. What we're saying is this person will represent us and they will carry the mantle on their behalf. And then the school board says, I'm not going to then give you Mr. or Ms. Superintendent I'm gonna give you the keys. I need you to keep it steady and know when to go and know when to slow. And so, when I've helped boards around the country assess their desires for a new superintendent, I'm always encouraged by those who ask superintendent candidates or or the aspirants, if you will, the tough questions. The tough questions. Very basic question. Our middle schools are sagging and rather anemic. What is the plan? You know what my superintendent came back and said? We really ought to consider overhauling secondary education and looking at a multitude of various modalities that can Provide positive change. And if we fail, guess what we'll do? We'll go back to the drawing board and we'll try again. We believe we have the right recipe today. Working collaboratively with the superintendent, we introduced the resurrection of the K-8 construct where the staff is now able to focus on maximizing instructional minutes and increasing instructional time on task the various options for high school, career pathways as I've stated earlier, early colleges, et cetera, list goes on and on. This is what I call a visionary. We don't need a pontificator. Let that be for the elected folks. But when you're talking about driving an urban school system anywhere in America, with all of the intractable issues that persist, the community looking for leadership, and the boards looking to bring in somebody who can provide management. And being a manager and being a supervisor are two different things and not one and the same. Thank you. And, and you know, pardon my oh, my, sorry. My, my security. <laughs> you know, it. it but. I'm very passionate about the work of school boards because I've witnessed in my own community. There's infamy, there's mystery, there's intrigue, there's fear. When you mention it evokes the, the invocation, <clears throat> what it evokes? Depending on where you are in the country, is different. But what I know it to be is a community that is intimately involved with, with, with raising up future generations through the work that we're doing here at the Compton Unified School District. And this, again, that work can also easily be replicated if boards, to your point, Dr. Sturgeon, if boards understand what to look for when hiring a new superintendent.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, so I agree with everything that you said except for one statement when you said we're not looking for a Dr. Homer or a Dr. Sturgeon. I mean, I will have to disagree with you as we are both practitioners and have both worked and led in urban school districts. So you couldn't be looking for a Dr. Homer or a Dr. Sturgeon, just FYI.
2: Well, you know what? Let me just say this. Let me say this. I really do believe Dr. Sturgeon. I think Dr. Homer ought to consider at some point in time looking at school superintendency perhaps not in omaha but somewhere in america because again what folks are looking for people who understand the application the practical side the curriculum and instruction design i look at that as almost like a mixologist you know how do you take a little of this curriculum a little of that curriculum these supplementals or these pacing guides or this new technological advancement to iPads and or whatever the case may be, and how then do we allow that to enhance the learning environment, thus ensuring that children are academically nourished? You guys both might could do a tag team, why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I like the I like the point about kicking the tires, right? Yeah. Go beyond the performance of a of, yes. of a public interview, go beyond the the performance of um, somebody selling themselves, and get into some of the details behind successes and failures that somebody's had when it comes to being a leader at whatever level they were uh, right. prior to coming to 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 a school district as a candidate. So,
2: well, let me say this, Doctor Sturgeon, I like the irregular. Not the artificial. I like the irregular. I'm not afraid of a little controversy. If if you're telling me you were fired because you did the right thing for children, you may have a home somewhere in an American school district. You tell me you were fired because you you fought against some outside force who was interested in taking over your school through some parent trigger initiative. You have a home somewhere in America now. Now, if you're telling me that all children can can succeed, and I know this to be true because I read a book on a plane, <laughs> I took out a napkin and scratched out some theory or. I was listening to a speaker and a speaker pricked my heart and there was some epiphany. No, 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 no. I think people these days, people want receipts. People are incredulous and they also can sniff out frauds. So as superintendents move through these various programs, build some relationships, build some relationships, let people see your work. As my teacher was saying third a grade, show your math.
0: Absolutely.
1: <clears throat> Mr. Ali, as a leader in your school district and across the country, uh, tell us about one of your greatest accomplishments and or decisions that uh, you have made that has impacted either you or, um, excuse me, your students directly or um, a nationwide impact.
2: Well, Another phenomenal question. I'll say this. And it's something that actually it moves me. I'm, I'm viscerally moved by the Compton Unified School District's critical role, the critical role played in the lawsuit that ultimately phased out the use of the SAT and ACT within the UC admissions, the removal as a factor, as a factor, and this decision was recently announced, and I'm very, very, very proud of that. The ability to to dismantle a barrier, to dismantle a barrier that deals with equity. See, people talk, right, we go back to to governance as a muscle. People talk, but you have to exercise that muscle. And equity and inclusion and diversity, all of that must be effectuated and exercised because if not, it is simple bloviation. The coalition built around the SAT, ACT lawsuit, tectonic, tectonic. The work that grassroots folks put in, community folk, because everybody knew, and we've always known that the SAT and the ACT provided a competitive advantage for the affluent who could afford test prep. Who can afford test prep? So you cannot afford test prep so that what we're saying is that the, that the SAT and the ACT ought to weigh more. That's, those are not predictive values with respect to success in college, you know what is the grade point average, the old GPA. And you're telling me that a student has performed and has reached the level of a 3.5 and above, and they do bad on the SAT because that child is undocumented. And any of the words on that test they never heard before, their parents have never utilized such language, or you are in urban America or rural America. You could be in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, or Compton, California, in a home where folks are not utilizing such academic vernacular, and you ought to be barred from att- attending and participating. And a collegiate experience, absolutely, unequivocally not. That body of work in and of itself serves as a capstone, a capstone of what I call the effectuation of governance and how you put policy into play. The the court system in our country, one of the marvels, of our phenomenal nation. And some people win and some people lose. But when you go in with the power of the community, grassroots folk converging on an issue that has disallowed many, I mean, what a day of rejoice. And there'll be many students and many families who will rejoice. We're talking about high-performance students. We're not, we're not talking about somebody with a 2.0 going to walk into UCLA or UC Riverside or UC Davis or UC Irvine. No, we're talking about children who have exhibited themselves and have been exemplar within their high school academic journey. They ought to have a seat. And that, my friends, that will then begin to take hold across the country. Watch. Watch the movement. Watch the movement begin. It will head east, and we'll see more collegiate institutions, reverse decisions, or abandon such tests that have been nothing more than barriers for many students in this
0: country.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. Now we're going to get into what I know uh, at one point in time, and I'm sure it still is today, one of Dr. Holman's favorite thing, which which was visiting her schools. So I happened to be a, a principal uh, in the past at, a, at one of uh, Dr. Holman's um, schools, and she would visit. And um, what I kind of want to hear from you, uh, Mr. Ali, is when you go to a school, what is it that you're hoping that you're seeing? And I'm and I'm not saying this is go back to that that performance uh, piece because she didn't tell me she was coming she was in the building she was talking to her old teaching buddies and things like that so it wasn't it wasn't um, uh, special events or ceremonies or anything like that but it's when you just visit a school when you're in in your school district and you're visiting a school what is it that you're hoping to see when you're walking through the door
2: another question it's as if I wrote these questions myself,
0: but I did <laughs> No, sir.
2: very good friend of mine and a mentor I consider her family, Dolores Davis Holmes, once uh, served as a principal, ultimately retiring from the Compton Unified School District as an associate superintendent. A cerebral woman dedicated her life to the Compton Unified School District, uh, led the Regional Gifted and Talented Education program during her tenure. But one thing she would say when she would visit schools, the first thing she taught me to look at, she espoused this, the baseboards. The baseboards are not clean. Somebody is not doing their job. And oftentimes a filthy school means that we do not love children. This environment, the environment that we prepare for children, for students ought to be welcoming. It ought to be a safe haven for many children in urban America Intractable poverty envelops them. They're coming to school and that environment ought to be safe, nurturing, warm, welcoming. The food ought to be hot. And in y'all's case, I say y'all's colloquialism. No, mom, the buses ought to be warm. <laughs> Those are the little things The little things before we even place a rump in a chair. Paint ought not be flaking. I'm talking about the same experience, Dr. Sturgeon, that you would expect from a Marriott property, a Hilton property, a Hyatt property. You sit on an airplane. Want to feel the spring in the back of your seat? Go to the restroom and there's there's a piece of wood holding the door up. Come on for crying out loud! So so. Before we get to instructional materials, and let me say this, this remember something now. Poverty to many people is a state of mind in this country. But let me introduce you to a very novel concept and a belief. Poverty is a way of life around the world. So we're not going to walk into a school in Compton and see children without instructional material, without aids, without hand sanitization, floors unkept. But in many parts of the world, it's that way. One thing that many of these teachers around the world, and I've witnessed this, one thing they exhibit, love. And if children understand that you love and value them, they will then rise above. They will rise above whatever bar is placed atop them. Raising the level of expectation through love and care. It's the same way we all want to be treated from our loved ones, the level of respect we want many anyone we do business with. That's what children and families desire. And, and again, I'm talking from the urban standpoint. I'm talking about places. And I'm saying I'm looking at an urban as not as black or brown, but as density. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, those are poor parts of this country. Right. I was in Baltimore, Maryland talking to one of the old superintendents, many years past. He said many students are coming in for warmth, warmth on a cold winter day. Sustenance, because there might not be any food at home. This is the American school system today. This is the American school system today. Now, we haven't even touched on social-emotional learning and and, and how our inability to exhibit true care, how that love, how that manifests itself as far as how children feel and how they internalize. And we know what that leads to. We didn't even have to go down that path, right? So, those are things that I look at and I strongly encourage my friends who are on school boards around the country to also consider that as well. Facilities and how well those facilities are clean. That's first.
0: Yeah, I I love that answer. I love the idea of how um, an expression of pride through the way in which we take care of a place that is for kids um, and the resulting effects that that can have. And it shouldn't be the only signal because i think you can you can see and hear the love uh that that um educators have for the kids or don't um but i think it's a great it's a it's it's a great i walked in the door and what do i notice or or what don't i notice about a school and it's you know um a piece of pride in where we want our children to be spending their time so i love that thank you
1: so mr Charlie, you have shared all the amazing things that um, are going on in Compton Unified and all the amazing uh, things that you've been a part of. What can you share with us about uh, one of your most challenging decisions or um, situations that you've been in or that you had to make in your role as a school board president?
2: Oh, Dr. Holman, as many. There's many. And so let me, think about which one I'd like to to proper today. So the biggest decision biggest decision always centers around budget cuts budget cuts and the reduction in force it has to then follow as a result also known as layoffs. What happens in California, the younger or newer employee is generally the lowest on the seniority list, and out the door they go. When the economy rebounds, those people have moved on. So now it creates a dearth in talent and inability to recruit. Because at one point in time, during my initial years serving in office, the state's budget extremely challenged. The projection of deficit, the projection of, of, because of course what happens in Sacramento, California, which is the state capital, that then directly impacts everything downstream. And if the state's receipts are anemic, then that cold, that flu is felt within agencies that are funded by the state. And the largest appropriation is public education in California. Look, per the Constitution, voters in 1988 passed Proposition 98, which cements school funding, it's encased in the Constitution. But when there's a reduction, you have to make a cuts. That's a challenging time, because when you're in a local community like Compton, you know these folks. They're your neighbors. You played Little League, t-ball, football, soccer. We even have rugby. And now you have to make a decision to cut their job. And you know, you know, in your heart, there will not be other jobs for 40, 45-year-old mother of two or three, single, struggling, not enough uh, money in the month, far more days than money. And so That proves to be a significant challenge. And then of course that challenge was assuaged with the someone who I admire immensely, California's governor who I will say he'll always, he'll always have a place in the hearts and minds of folks within the education community, Jerry Brown. And Jerry Brown was able to then bring funding back up to the pre-recession level. Now, we're not where we ought to be. But the point is that I never like to leave a story sad, happy ending. We were able to regain funding and put ourselves back on solid footing fiscally. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The other tough part was Compton took a very fiscally austere position and we began making reductions and streamlining and reducing the administrative bloat. We have far, far few people on the administrative cabinet. The board, the board took a hit. And as a result, we were able to save jobs downstream. We're talking about janitors and custodial, plant staff, security guards, instructional aides, and other ancillary support needed at the school site in order to effectuate and drive the plan and the edict as set forth by the board. Back to governance. That is a muscle. We exercise the muscle, all of us become strong. And so those were challenging days. But those days all turn into sunny days. And while we don't have the kind of money that school districts in the Northeast boasts per ADA, you know, per student, we're able to do well, because you made the right decisions many years past. Thank
0: you. All right. This is a uh, question I ask every guest. It's uh, stolen from uh, the podcaster Tim Ferriss, and that is, what book uh, do you gift or give uh, to folks most often?
2: Hmm. I give a lot of books out. <laughs> <laughs> I give a lot of books out, and and uh, I will I will tell you one. I'll tell you one, in particular. Uh, I just need to. So one in particular is is uh, I like to give away is one is by Doctor Ivan Vincertima. Uh, that came before Columbus. It's a heavy read. It's a very thick. Very thick book. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really big into understanding, you know, aspects of the transatlantic slave trade, the core relationship between the Meso Americans, uh, the Aztecs, the Olmecs, and that of uh, West Africa. And this book clearly, this book, this book nearly, nearly cost me a seat in college because I'm challenging the professor with this book and the professor's assertions relative to the research that doctor Van Dr. Abelman-Serderman uh, lays forward. And so I've given that book to several people. And again, I'm quite confident they've shared it. It is one way to really compel people to understand and appreciate history and culture. But also, how did things come to be? How did things come to be? Um, Mexico and, and the uh, former enslaved had a very prolific relationship. And that goes all the way back. The indigenous Mexicans, the, the, the native Mexicans, which were uh, very much akin to that of the a Native um, Central American, Panamanian, and the Native American in the northern where we are in, in the U.S. So again, I'm intrigued by a lot of this and those relationships. And there, There's pyramids in Mexico engrossing huge heads, Olmec heads, with full noses and lips. And this book underscores significant points as to, again, how that manifested itself. And so, perhaps I'll see you one day and give you the book.
0: All right, that's it's, <laughs> it sounds uh, fascinating for sure. I love, the, I love the idea of you using it um, against a professor. Uh, that's, that's, uh, m- that would be my kind of student, come on, you know. Let's be. bring it and have some, have some good dialogue. Let's bring it on. That's right, that's awesome, thank you.
1: Okay, Mr. Ali, um, we're gonna go ahead and jump right into the red round. Dr. Sturgeon, you want to go to get uh, the timer ready for I, I get me? Get my
0: timer ready. All right. I'm and ready. So
1: this is not meant for you to have to spend a lot of time thinking. You just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Nothing oh. that should be embarrassing of, of uh, anything of that nature. Ready? Yep. Okay. Water or coffee? Water. Sleep in or work? Work. First class or coach? First class. Now or later? Now. Movie or documentary? Documentary. Your life 10 years ago or 10 years in the future?
2: 10 years in the future.
1: Big city or country? Big city. A country, city or any other location you have not visited but want to?
2: A country, city, no.
1: Or what, what other kind of location would you like to visit? This is not an or question, but oh, 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 just okay, asking oh, okay.
2: you. Oh, you said I thought you, you. I thought you meant country in the sense of like country farmland. No. You mean out of the? Oh, absolutely, yes.
1: Yes. Where Where would you like to visit?
2: Hmm. I like to spend some time in Sierra Leone.
1: Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you. That is the end of the red round. That is also the end of our podcast for today. Uh, we truly appreciate you sharing your knowledge um, and just all of your experiences and things that are going on in Compton Unified, um, the tremendous efforts that you've put forth in, in leading the school board and leading your school district. And uh, just really thank you. Dr. Sturgeon?
0: Yeah, I uh, I love the governance as a muscle and uh, I can see um, uh, how your viewpoint around, um potential of school board to have positive impact on schools in the, uh, in the larger community. That was uh, fascinating to hear your perspective on that. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you.